Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, for those of you in the auditorium, would you please stand and worship with us here this morning?
for that song of praise this morning. Amen. Good morning. You guys can have a seat. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good to be with you. I just want to remind us of why we're here. We're all gathered here because we're on mission to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we thank God for Jesus? Can we thank God for what he did for us on the cross? Can we thank God for him? Like, that's the power. That's the power. That's the power that defeated hell was Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. We're celebrating that. We're raising that up. We're going to make Jesus' name famous. So, church, I'm glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining us online. All of our guests, welcome. Welcome those here in the building. Welcome those online. Listen, if you're here at Crossroads in the building, would you please stop by the Welcome Center on your way out? We have a gift for you by just saying thanks for being with us this morning. Please stop by the Welcome Center. They're wonderful people. They'd love to meet you. And the stuff uh, that we have there for you is just stuff to help you and your family. And there's also some, some goodies there. So, please stop by the Welcome Center on your way out. Church, I want to let you know we have our Ecuador mission trip uh, interest meeting today at room 207, 1230, right after the second service. And uh, we're going to talk all things Ecuador, 20 minutes at max. So hang out with us in room 207, all things Ecuador, have our mission trip interest meeting today. And then we have our trunk and treat coming up on the 26th of October. And uh, sign-ups are, are, are rolling every day, and we're seeing people responding. They're saying they're coming, and we have a great team signed up from our church to help serve. We're still looking for a few more people to help out with parking. So if you're interested, uh, you can uh, you can go online and let us know, or you can stop by the Welcome Center and uh, let them know that you like to help out, and then we'll get your name, and I'll call you tomorrow, okay? We'll get you signed up for that team, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful night on the 26th. And then uh, Operation Christmas Child. So I want to let you guys know about a few things. One is that you can pack a shoebox online. If you go to our website, there's all kinds of information about the packing party, which is on the 13th of November. The whole collection week is the 14th to the 21st of November. And then you can also pack a shoebox online. So you'll be seeing the shoeboxes roll out here in the next couple of weeks in the lobby. But I just want to let you guys know, mark your calendars, start thinking about it, start praying about it. This is a great opportunity just say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do one thing. I'm going to give, you know what I mean, this Christmas season. And we're going to be talking about the birthday gift of Jesus here soon. So there's just like, this is very, very exciting, church. So you see all the information on there. You can see all that information and more on the front page of our website, Operation Christmas Child. And then Charles Billingsley, Grammy-nominated, award-winning uh, artist. He's going to be here on December 15th and 16th. Um, so you can get the tickets, go to our front page of our website, crossroadsministries.com or crsmin.com, and you can get tickets for this. Uh, Charles is a wonderful guy. He's a phenomenal artist. He's a great show, and I encourage you guys. This is a great opportunity to invite somebody. We're going to be handing out uh, invitation cards for you to actually take it and invite someone to join you, sit with you, and be a part of this Christmas concert. So that's going to be on the 15th and 16th, and then they'll, right after the concert both nights, there will be desserts over in the gym. Can't forget desserts, can we? <laughs> it's going to be good. So 15th and 16th, Charles Billingsley, Barker Calendars. It's going to be an awesome time. Church, thank you for your faithfulness in giving online, giving through the mail and the boxes on the wall. God is just, just growing us in so many ways, and we thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Hey, would you, church, would you stand as we, as we pray and continue on this morning? Father, thank you for the, just the reminder, Lord, that you, that you sent Christ, that, that, that Jesus defeated power of hell. Lord, the gates... Lord, will not prevail. Lord, we just know that the gates of hell will not prevail. Lord, we can stand against the powers of this world, the powers of evil, because of Christ. We have life, we have meaning, we have hope, we have purpose, all in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, as we just all gather and we came in, you know, all kinds of different situations and scenarios, God, we all can meet at the foot of the cross. 
this morning as we proclaim you, as we learn, as we grow, as we encourage and challenge and hold each other accountable. God, this is your church. This is the body. This is our family. Lord, this is, this is your body, and thank you that we get to be a part of it. Lord, we love you. We ask all things in the power and full name of Christ. Amen.
you love him? How much you thank him? Just praise Jesus this morning as the band plays. He is worthy of all of our praise. few moments just just ago just praising your name thanking you for who you are lifting your name on high just saying back to you how much we love you you're the great i am you're the creator you're holy you're worthy you are the one that goes before us lord in life help us lord to just trust you help us to believe that the name of jesus is all that we need in order to walk this journey Thank you for the gift of salvation and how we truly can be called the sons and daughters of the King of Kings because of what you did for us on that cross. We love you, Lord, because your name is beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, amen.
right. We're missing sound on the video, so I'll just kind of keep rolling without it, all right? There it is, and it's over. <laughs> all right, it's a good day at Chick-fil-A, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry, Chick-fil-A is closed today. But anyhow, we're glad that you're here today. What a good day. We're in a series called The Church, and as we're looking at the church and what, uh, what God has done for us as the church, uh, the church has a special place in the Bible. It has a special place in what God is doing. And so as you look and you read about the church, we've went through a few, a few pictures so far. We looked at the picture of the family. I mean, the family is a vital picture of what the church is. And as I look at the church, I'm reminded that this is a family, the family of God. As we come here together, we gather together here at the church. This is where we gather. This is not the church. The church is a family, and the family is operating all week long. Different people are, are serving each other. They're communicating. They're caring for each other. So there's a big family. Then we looked at the body and how every member matters. Every member, every, every gift matters. God has given everybody a gift, and we want you to use your gift to honor and glorify the Lord. And as every, every member matters, every gift matters, every person matters. Today we're going to be looking at, a, at another picture from the Scriptures here this morning, that the church is a bride. And I want you to catch this, uh, because the very first point here is that the church is the bride of Christ. Would you say that with me? The church is the bride of Christ. And when you think about the church as a bride, you know, most of the time we think of church like this in this first picture, like the building. We think of this building church. We say, hey, this is where we're going to. But there's a picture in the Bible that says that the church looks more like this, more like a bride. And, you know, when you think of a bride, at first, at first it's, it's like, what are you talking about? As a matter of fact, if you contrast the two, you have the church versus a bride, you say, okay, what is this all about? And we have the next picture there, the church versus the bride. And as you look at those two as they're competing images, it's like, wow, those are two radically different things. One is a place that I go to, and another is something that you are, something that you belong to, something that we are as a, as a people. So what does it mean to be the bride of Christ? First of all, when I'm thinking about the bride of Christ, when I've read that throughout the years, especially as a young man, I was like, what do you mean I, as a guy, am going to be the bride of Christ? It kind of wigged me out a little bit, didn't it? Kind of like, I ain't going to be no bride for nobody. And so as you start to understand this, this is not talking about a, a bride as far as a man and a woman. Uh, this is talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as you get this, he uses the picture of a man and a woman, but he's saying that we all are the bride of Christ. So it isn't like just individually, it's we all are the bride of Christ. So as we all come together, we are creating one person, this bride of Christ. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what God is doing. The picture of the bride of Christ. And so we all come together and it denotes a relationship with Christ, with Jesus Christ. But for some people, and when I throw out the word marriage, you kind of get uncomfortable. You throw out the word marriage and you say, well, man, my marriage wasn't the dream come true exactly. My marriage wasn't exactly uh, the way I thought it was going to go. Maybe you say, I was married. And you look at that and you say, man, I've got some, when you say that word marriage, I kind of have a, a hard, hard shell there, right? Um, for others, maybe it was your parents when you were growing up. Your parents didn't model the best marriage. Maybe your parents have World War II going off all the time in your home. And, 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 you know, I can relate to that a little bit. And as you look at that, you say, man, that's maybe not the best picture of what I want in my life. And so uh, a little, you know, a little strange things come along whenever you think of Christ as the bride of Christ. 
But God is trying to teach us something here. You see, when we look at the world, we look at the world through broken lenses. We, we see things that are just broken. We see things that have fallen apart. We see all the brokenness. And Christ says that we are his bride. And as you catch this, it's like, wow, God must have something that's deeper here for us. So the Apostle Paul uses this terminology. He begins to write to the, to the church at Ephesus. He had spent about a year and a half there. He went into this town of Ephesus. It was in the Roman Empire again. And uh, he is up there, and he wins all these people to the Lord. Many people become followers of Jesus. He establishes the church, and then he moves on. And these letters that we're reading in the Bible, um, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians, are letters back to the various churches of the different towns. So he's, wrote, he's written this, church, uh, this letter of... Um, going to the book of Ephesians, it's a letter, and he writes it back, and they were struggling with family relationships as we struggle today. And so he comes out, and he gives a revolutionary thought here in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and he says this, Husbands, love your wives. And so right there, there's the, there's the big deal. He says, husbands, I want you to love your wives. And you say, well, that's not revolutionary. We, we know that today. But I want to remind you that Ephesus was a place that, uh, that was new. Christianity was new. Christianity had not yet made its impact. It had not made its full transition. It had not uh, uh, impacted the culture as our culture has been impacted. I thank God for the world that we live in today, don't you? God has uh, allowed the... the principles of Jesus, the, the teachings of Jesus have influenced even our culture that, man, we at least have a basic understanding that marriage is something that you should respect, that you should honor. Um, today we would say, wow, that's not exactly revolutionary. But for those people, when he said, husbands, love your wives, let me tell you why it was revolutionary. Because in the Roman Empire, they had an emperor. His name was Caesar. And Caesar was the top dog. Caesar was in the ultimate power, and Caesar was in charge, and whatever Caesar said happened. And the men would quite often come and model their homes after Caesar. They had to be in charge. They would, they would take and do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, even if it meant being unfaithful to their spouse. And quite often in the Roman Empire at this day, these people were not being faithful to their wives. And so, so Paul comes along here and he has to say very clearly, husbands, love your wives. And so what was happening was they had a role model of Caesar. And so they would come along and they would take this model of Caesar. It was the cultural. It was the things that were happening in the culture. And they would say, hey, and they looked at that model and they bled into their own family. And that's how that they would begin to operate. You know, this happens today in our world. We look at the cultural norms. We look at what Caesar says, right? Uh, the world has made uh, a lot of things that are anti-God. As a matter of fact, the world says things, uh, and I'll, call, I'll refer to the world as Caesar today, right? Caesar out there today has said basically, you know, uh, do whatever you want. Uh, we don't want anybody to be offended. This is how it's going to work. And, 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 it's, and, and making up their own set of rules. God has come before us, and he is going to give us now the way that we ought to live. So Jesus, when he came to this earth, he died on the cross, he paid for your sin, he rose again, and the Apostle Paul is about to take this, and he says, listen, husbands, love your wives. Don't follow the model of Caesar that was being cheating on your wives, that was being uh, disrespectful of your wife, that was just being total non-loving to your wife. He says, husbands, love your wife. And look how the verse continues. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her.
He says, don't follow the Caesar model anymore, but follow the Jesus model. You see, the Jesus model was completely different. The Jesus model wasn't, hey, go do whatever you want to do. Uh, it wasn't, hey, just, uh, just, just you know, be in total charge, make decisions, make yourself happy. He said that Jesus came, and how did he love the church? It says that he gave himself up for the church. Christ loved and he gave. This is the new standard of what a family would be like. And I want to encourage you today, uh, while we're talking on the church, I want you to catch this. Husbands, love your wives. And this is how you do it. You do it by sacrifice. You, you do it by, by, by making that, that absolute sacrifice and, and caring for her. This is the new standard of what it means to love your wife. And he says that uh, he gave himself up for her, verse 26, to make her holy, to sanctify her. Uh, to set her apart unto himself. This is what God has done for you and I. When Jesus died on the cross and you trusted what he did for you, he has made you holy. Man, that's a, that's a hard thing for us to swallow at times, isn't it? Because I see what I'm practically living. I say, man, I'm not always holy, am I? But God has given you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He has made you holy by uh, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. So he's talking about the word of God here. John 15:3 says this. says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. John 17:17, 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The Spirit was going to sanctify us through the Word of God. And so he says that his Word is truth. And to present her to himself, he says that he made her holy, cleansing her by the Word. And then he presents her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So this is what God has done for us as the church. You, as a follower of Christ, we are part of something bigger. We're part of the church. We're part of the bride of Christ. And we collectively come together as the bride of Christ. And he says that he has taken us and made us holy without stain, wrinkle, or any blemish. And when I look around the church today, not just our church, I'm talking the church at large, I see a little bit of stains, don't I? I see a little bit of wrinkles. I see some blemishes. And what is so powerful is that God says what he has done is he has made us without stain, without those wrinkles, without the blemish, holy and blameless before God the Father. And so he, he continues on here. He says, you know, first of all, his, it's sacrificial. Then he says it's sanctifying. He moves on in here to verse 28. It's satisfying. He says this, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, wives, remember that. Just look at your husband every now and then and say, you're not loving yourself. You need to love yourself a little bit more. You have not been very kind to me. You're not loving me. And I got a verse to prove it. Just pull it out, put it on the refrigerator. You'll see it when he goes to the fridge. Um, everyone, he says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Husbands should love their own wives as their own bodies. Man, everybody takes care of themselves. We get up in the morning, you shower, you brush your teeth. You, there's a degree that you're always caring for yourself. You're always making sure that you're protected, that you're cared for, that you're okay, right? And he says that husbands ought to love their wives like it's their own body. 
After all, verse 29, after one, no, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So he says, listen, this is, this is very interesting. This, this is hard to put all together, but he says the profound mystery is the church. It's Jesus Christ and the church. Yes, you husbands and wives learn how to, how to live and how to have a functioning, happy marriage based upon how Christ loves the church. And when we look at it, you go back up into verse 20. He says that we ought to submit one to another. Verse 21 says wives should submit to their husbands and, uh, out, of, out of honor and respect to the Lord. And so what it, I want you to catch this. When a husband is sacrificial, loving their wife with sacrifice, man, that changes everything. Now the wife can love back. And it's, 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 not, it's like she'll respect, she'll do anything that he wants. Because he has laid down his life for her. The problem that has come in marriages in, in our world today is that there's no love. There's no sacrifice. You can't love without sacrifice. So he says here, this is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ in the church. So as you think about the bride this morning, I want you to think about this. There's a few thoughts about the bride here. Number one, the bride is loved. Would you say that with me? The bride is loved. If your wife needed a heart transplant, would you give it to her? That's a tough one, isn't it? You can give up a kidney, but a heart, that's a big one. Would you, uh, would you take a bullet for your wife? Jesus gave his life. He took the bullet. He took spikes in the left hand, the right hand, through the feet. He took a crown of thorns. He miserably, miserably, it was a miserable death, but he didn't complain one bit because of his love for you and I. I want to remind you this morning how much Jesus really loves you. Like Jesus loves you. I I want you to think about this. Jesus knows everything about you, and he still loves you. You see, that's what true love is. You guys, we all love each other, but... When you really know somebody and you know their faults and their problems, that's when you really love them. Like my wife really loves me because she knows all my shortcomings. She knows what crazy guy I am, right? But she still loves me. And God loves you like that. He loves you unconditionally. There is no condition to his love. Would you say that with me? There is no condition to his love. There is no condition to his love. God doesn't say, I'll love you if you clean up your act. See, that's what religion does. Religion says, come in and clean up your act, and God will love me more. Well, God didn't say that. God didn't say, I'll love you more if you clean up your act. He says, I love you with an everlasting love, the Scriptures tell us. And so when we understand as the bride of Christ, this is a beautiful picture because he has sacrificed. He's given his life for us. He has done it sacrificially. He has given his life as a sacrifice. When he died on the cross, he was known as the Lamb of God. See, the, the, before, before Jesus died, they would come in, they would take a lamb, and they would slay it at the altar for worship. Jesus became that altar. He became that lamb on the altar when God the Father had him slain on the cross. 
And Jesus died and paid the price for your sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And, and our, our sin was laid upon him. And God gave us the victory when Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? He sacrificed and then he rose from the dead. Let that truth sink into you today. You are loved. It doesn't matter where you've been. You are loved. And marriage is built on love. And we are the bride of Christ. And so it's built on love over and over and over. We see in the word, in God's word, that, this, that, that, that Jesus loves his bride, the church. But how do we love him back? Think about this. If it's only the bride receiving love all the time, what kind of marriage is that? You know, could you imagine that? You go home and, and you know, husbands, you're, you just give love all the time and your wife doesn't love you back. That's not a marriage, right? That's got to take two ways. The husband has to sacrifice, and then she'll return. There's, this is how this works. So, so the man takes the initiative. He, he, he leads that way, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus loves you, and he loves you unconditionally. He loves you sacrificially. But how do we love him back? Let me show you how we love him back. We love him back by being faithful. I want you to catch this. We, we, we're to be faithful. That's how we express our love. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. We see the Apostle Paul is writing back to the Corinthian church now. And, uh, and he, he's dealing with some of their deals. There was some false teaching that was coming around the church, and he had to guard them from it. And he says, I'm jealous for, for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. He gives this, this, uh, this, this imagery of a, like a dad giving away his bride. He says, I gave you... To one bride, to one husband, and that's Jesus Christ. The church, I want you to catch this, the church is betrothed to Jesus Christ. You, you, you remember whenever you, you got engaged? Anybody remember that? Raise your hand. You remember that? Okay. All the wives remember it for sure, right? You remember when you got engaged. Well, you're to be faithful during that time of engagement. Could you imagine? The bride is faithful. I want you to catch this. The bride is faithful. That's the next fill in the notes in your, in your, in your notes there. The bride is faithful. And, and as you look at this and you realize that, that, that he's saying, hey, listen, you're, you're a pure bride. You're to be, I'm giving you to one husband, to Jesus Christ. I, I want you to look back on your engagement period, you know. I, I'll never forget that engagement. I went down to, uh, down to the point I was, in September. It was, in, it was 30 years ago, but it was in September. I'll never forget, I had, uh, I had this ring I had saved up, and, uh, and she was, you know, like, we knew we were going to get married, but I was just like cold feet in it, and trying to pay for this ring, <laughs> and, and I'll never forget, I took her to the Lamont, like she didn't know something was going to happen, I never took her to the Lamont, our first date was Taco Bell, you know, we, we're at the Lamont now, and so I, I've got this suit jacket on, and I got this ring, it's in my pocket, and I... <laughs> I wrapped it in Kleenex so she wouldn't see a box sticking in there, you know. And I'm sitting at the Lamont. I'm like, ah, this is just really weird. All right, we're going to go down, and we're going to go down to Station Square, and we're going to ride the horse and buggy. And I'll get in the back of the horse and buggy, and I'll give it to her, and this will be the most romantic day of the world, right? We get done with dinner. I mean, I am sweating. Sweating like I'm preaching, you know what I mean? I am sweating. You know what I mean? I'm just dying in there. And I go down there. We get down there to the station square, and would you know the horses were sick? <laughs> I, I'm like, can you have any better day than that, right? So I said, what else am I going to do? Well, I'm Mr. Pittsburgh. So I took her over to the point, 
And, uh, and I'll never forget, I got down on my knees. Back then, I could actually go down on my knees and come back up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I got down on my knees, and I said, will you, will you marry me? And she's like, of course. I was like, well, I knew better. I knew you'd do that, right? So, so I, get down, I get down on my knees, and she, it's this big happy day. And, and we, we come home. We go showing everybody the ring, and we're having all this good time. And it was a time from September, and then we got married that summer in July. And I think it was 1993. I hope I'm right on that, but that's how long ago it was, okay? And so from September to July, I'll tell you what, it was a powerful time. It was a time of faithfulness. I didn't get to go out and eat lunch with any other girl. If I would have, I wouldn't be married today. I mean, there was no running around. There was nothing happening. It was like I made this commitment, and that was a promise of the commitment. That was the beginning of the commitment. And then whenever I got married, that was the real deal. We're rolling. In the Bible times, they had a betrothal period. It was the engagement period, and it was the real deal. Like they would, they would get engaged, and it was like a legal document then. And I want you to catch this because following Jesus Christ, we're kind of in this 2,000-year engagement period. You see, the church began, Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again. And on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, Peter stands up and he preaches. In the book of Acts, you can go read it. He preaches, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. It was the opening of the church. And we have been waiting for his return for the, for the last 2,000 years. Do you realize the bride of Christ is all those people that have become followers of Jesus Christ from then all the way till now? We are the bride of Christ. We have something very special. And so God's called us to be faithful. Look what he says here. Verse 3 continues on. He says, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. I fear that somehow you're gonna, your faithfulness is going to be tried. I fear that you're going to cheat on Jesus. He says in verse 4, you happily put up with, what anyone, with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one that we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one that you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one that you believed. And he was talking about false teachers. And so what was happening was these, these false teachers came in and said, Hey, you believe in Jesus? That's good, but you've got to also be Jewish. You believe in Jesus, but you've got to follow all these rules, and you've got to do all the all, all this customs and all these things that we grew up as Jews. And, and so he was like, No. That's not the Jesus we preach to you. And so today, do you know what? There's a lot of false teachers going all over the world that are propagating a false Jesus. People today are, are, are propagating a false Jesus. They're, they're teaching, teaching that, you ought to, uh, that, that the sacrifice of God is good, but it's not good enough. You've got to add to it. Uh, some of them are teaching just a happy-go-lucky, anything you want is going to make you feel good type of thing. I want, to, I want to remind you today, there's a lot of things out there that, that, people, are, that people are teaching. I, I've heard somebody say this, that, that some of them will teach that, that your best life can happen now. Folks, let me tell you, the Apostle Paul was put in jail. He was shipwrecked. Your best life is not happening on this side of heaven. It's happening in eternity. You get to live forever and ever with him. I'll tell you what, if my best life is happening now the way I walk up these steps... 
If my best life is happening now with the anger that I ain't got to deal with, with all my shortcomings, you know what? You're not going to have your best life now. You're going to have that forever and eternity. And so he says, listen, don't be tempted to cheat on Jesus. As the bride of Christ, don't cheat on Jesus. Don't, don't be going off with uh, all, the, all the things of Caesar. Don't be following the, 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 the customs of Caesar. And you know what? That's what happens today. I hear people say, well, the Jesus I believe in, he wouldn't condemn. He would understand what I'm doing and it would be okay. And God never said that. That's a Caesar teaching. God says, man, I love you with an unconditional love. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to let you stay in the mud. You see, when you love somebody, you help them, don't you? You sacrifice and you help them. Love, we get to love Christ back by being faithful to him. And this matters. Let me tell you why this matters. Because there is a wedding coming. Man, I'll tell you what. John gave, gave a vision. If you go into the book of Revelation, John has this vision from God. Jesus gives John a revelation. And he gets to see this vision of the future things to come. The book of Revelation is a fascinating book. Roger Metcalf and his class is starting to teach the book of Revelation today. Is that correct, Roger? What's that? First week of November. So you've got a few weeks to get ready. You can go in there after you're done with 930 service, go into Roger's class, and he was going to be teaching the full book of Revelation. But I'm peeking almost to the end. He's going to take you from the beginning. I want to give you down to near the end. John had given a vision of the future, and he shows us this picture of a wedding. It's the wedding. It's known as the wedding of the Lamb. And so Revelation 19, 6 through 9 says this. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean, a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Alleluia. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. So I want you to catch this. The angels, it's, it's like this angelic voice. It's this thunderous voice. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. This is an eternity future. And this is the wedding of the Lamb. This is, this is the bride of Christ. So right now we're in the engagement period. Since that day the church opened up on the day of Pentecost... Till the rapture, when Jesus comes back again, this is known as the church age. And so all those that became followers of Jesus Christ, we're the body of Christ. We're the, we're the bride of Christ. Verse 7, he says, the, the, the voice continues, Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give him honor, give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. His bride has made herself ready. The bride is prepared. This is what we get to do as a church. We're preparing for eternity. And I want you to catch this because a bride is always prepared. Have you ever heard of a bride that woke up on Monday and said, I think I'll go to Walmart and buy a dress today. I'm getting married on Friday. You don't hear that. The bride thinks about it forever, doesn't she? Like way too much. I'll never forget when we were engaged. My wife, we were engaged, and I'll never forget this. We, can't, we knew we were going to get married, but I hadn't, you know, I told you I was still saving up the money for the ring. She's going out looking at wedding dresses. I was like, honey, I'm a public figure. You can't do that. Like, you can't be telling people, you can't be telling people we're getting married until we're getting engaged. 
She goes, I just can't run up. She's so excited. And she, I remember she went down to this place down Mount Lebanon looking at that wedding gown. I mean, she made me sit in the parking lot a few times. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, can't I just take you down to Pittsburgh and have fun? And listen, the bride is prepared. She's thinking about what she's wearing. Do you realize how beautiful the bride is? The bride is beautiful. Now think about this. The bride is beautiful. Man, when I'm standing up here on that day, on my, on my wedding day, and that wife, my wife is coming walking down that aisle, down that aisle, I'm like, I'm nervous again. And I'm saying, wow. And the whole place is looking on her. And then they're looking at me to see how I'm reacting. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh God, I don't know if I can do this. This is crazy. Okay, let's do it. And we get married. And I've been sacrificing ever since. I'm sorry, that's biblical terminology. Forgive me. I have been loving her ever since. And I'm sure she has made as much sacrifice that I have, right? To love a crazy guy like me. This is the wedding lamb. Let us be glad and rejoice. We give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast and the lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. Man, she looked beautiful. We, we did the thing, you know, all the I do stuff. And I'm done. And we, we go down to the library fire home. We had our, our wedding reception. And I'll never forget, man. All eyes were on her the whole day. Man, she's got this beautiful ground on. The bride is so beautiful. And this is what God is saying. This is what I want you to realize. When, when the Father looks, when Jesus is looking at us, we're the bride of Christ. It's with that same, wow, how beautiful. How beautiful. Now look at this. Verse 8 continues on. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the linen represents the good deeds, the righteous acts of God's holy people. She has been given this robe to wear. And, and the robe, he says, is white linen. But I want you to catch it. She doesn't bring the dress. The groom gives her the dress. She has been given Jesus gives her the dress. Jesus has given us the dress. So I want you to catch this because if you're not careful, you could look at this and say, oh, i got to build my, my wedding gown as the bride of Christ. i got to go out and do good deeds. And listen, let me tell you, that's an important part of being the bride of Christ. But your good deeds don't get you into heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that our good deeds are as filthy rags. Now, do you think that the bride of Christ... Is it that dinner that day dressed in filthy rags? No. It's because Christ sacrificed to make us holy, to set us apart unto him. We have the righteousness. We have the holiness of Jesus Christ. And so when we stand before God the Father, he doesn't see my sin anymore. He sees the, 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 the glory of God. And the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Remember over, we talked about the body. We said that God has given you gifts so that you can do the good works unto Jesus Christ. And as you do those good works unto Jesus Christ, uh, as, you, as you do them, there are things that he has planned for you to do. So this is how he's given us. He's given us the pure white linen, and the fine linen represents the things that God has called us to do. Because you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to be the bride. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He rose again. Saved people serve people. 
You see, that's what happens. God's placed something on your heart. You go out and you do something good for somebody. It's because you are the bride. You don't get to be the bride by doing good deeds. You do good deeds because you are the bride. Did you catch that? My, my wife isn't my wife because she does good deeds. Like, like she, It's like, hey, you do all those nice things for me. That's not why she's my wife. But she's my wife, so she's decided to do them for me. And this is what God has called us to here, this, this picture of Christ and the church. And so as you look at the picture of Christ and the church, he continues on here. And this is really powerful, okay? He says here, and as we wrap up, this is a powerful verse here, verse 9. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Now, he says, blessed are those who are invited. Who is invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb? You have the Lamb of God, and then you have not only the Lamb, and you have Jesus, right? But who, who's here? We're the church. If the church is the Lamb of God, and we are coming, this is the wedding feast. Jesus is the main event, but we have a special place. Who are the guests? Well, we know one of them is John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, I am the friend of the bridegroom. All the Old Testament characters, everybody that was a believer up until the time that Jesus died on the cross, all those people will be coming in. Can you imagine? We're going to be in heaven one day, and this, this feast is going to take place. First, the rapture's happening. Then we get to have this, this feast before God, and in's going to walk in. We're going to be, at the, we're going to be a guest of honor, and in's going to walk John the Baptist, and you're going to be like, you haven't shaved yet. I can tell. Remember, he, he didn't shave in the wilderness, you know? You, you're going to look and you're, you're going to see, you're going to see uh, 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 Moses and, and Abraham and all these people that we thought, wow, these are incredible people. They're coming and they're going to be the guests at this meal. And then it's going to be all the believers together, the bride of Christ, everybody that's come to Christ since he died on the cross and rose again, and everybody that followed him, followed the word of the Lord, up and trusting that the Messiah would come, everybody beforehand. And it's going to be this glorious, glorious thing. And I want you to catch it. Why is this so important? Because eternity matters. You are going to have eternity with the Lord. This day is coming. Right now you say, oh, I don't know about that. When you get to heaven and we are experiencing this, this party together, there will be no more sorrow, no more tears, no more brokenness, no more spots, no more blemishes. We will be robed in the things that God has called us to do. And I want to encourage you, let's go out and live like the bride. Let's be faithful to God. Let's realize how much He unconditionally loves us. Be faithful to him and prepare. Because as you do those good things that God has called you to do, they don't make the robe. God makes the robe out of you, out of what he has placed in you. For he did all the work, and we get to have the righteousness of God. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I want to encourage you. Your, your life matters. You're following the Lord. He, he didn't tell you, well, just do whatever you want to do and, and put me, fit me in somewhere. He says, I want you to be my bride. I want you to be faithful to me. 
I want you to, uh, to, to go out and do those things that I've done. And you will see the, the, what, what God will do. They, they make us beautiful. They don't make us the bride. It's the beauty of the bride. It's all those good things that God's called you to do. And you go out and do them. And I want to encourage you to walk with the Lord this week. And let's begin to be the bride. You don't often think of ourselves as the bride of Christ. But we have a powerful relationship with God Almighty. Lord, we come before you. And I thank you for this great day that we've had. To look at your word. To look at the church. I pray for those in here or watching online, Lord, that have not yet trusted you as their Savior. God, I pray that you will open their hearts and just allow them to trust you now. And with their heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Ken, I have not yet trusted Christ. I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Just pray something like this to him. Dear Jesus, I come before you and I need you. I'm a sinner. You died on a cross. You sacrificed for me. You rose again. You came to life for me. I now trust you, and I invite you into my heart and soul. In Jesus' name I pray. And Father, I pray you'll be with everyone as we as believers follow you. Move among us, Lord. Help us to be faithful to express our love to the Almighty. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we close?
Sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this. 